This week's podcast brought to you by Circular Terminals. Well, the kids are preparing for Lent, uh, Ash Wednesday, tomorrow as we record this. And so today as we record this, it's Fat Tuesday. And uh, you were at an airport this morning changing planes and preparing to go to the grocery as soon as you got home and wanted to know what the kids wanted for dinner tonight. And our youngest said she wanted grilled bread on the grill and hamburger. I think you know what she's talking about, right? Yes, yes. One of her favorite uh, simple meals. And um, then she said to me after she... After she dictated that test text, she said, I just told mom what I wanted for Fat Tuesday, but I don't know if that's fat enough. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fat. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, I'm back from a, a quick trip, if there's such a thing, to San Francisco. And, um,. Just a couple quick things about my trip that actually was pretty quick. Um, Four quicks. Is this a drinking game? I know. It should be. I flew. I don't. I do know why. It wasn't the smartest way to go, but I flew from Hartford to Dallas in order to get to San Francisco. And um, I was reminded when I was in Dallas how much I dislike the DFW airport. I'm just not a fan. It's not a, just not a great airport to be in. And um, And one of the reasons for that is the the restrooms are spaced very, very far apart. So um, you have to walk a ways from your gate to get to the what's, restroom. What's known in the basketball analyst world as poor spacing. Poor, yeah, poor spacing. And uh, But what was interesting was that as I'm walking in this like circular terminal and I'm trying to, I'm looking for the signs for the restroom. In most places, most airports, you know, they have the big signs and they say restroom. The unique thing about DFW, although I don't know if it's unique to there or just it's different, but their signs aren't restroom, it's toilets. That's just big giant signs for toilets. Not terribly helpful, but also you use the phrase circular terminal. Yes. Is if that, it's circular, it, it can't be a it terminal. It can't be terminal. Well, it, they are sort of circular. Although the, I guess the, life is terminal and it's circular, the circle of life. The... Yeah, I, I don't know, so but the terminals there are sort of circular, I and I the, was... The circular terminal at DFW is the embodiment of life. You didn't appreciate that at the time. No, I did. I do. I just kept going, okay. but because um, I want to talk about the sign that reads say, not saying you didn't appreciate it when I said it. You didn't <laughs> appreciate it while you were in the circular oh, terminal. Yes, neither. I did not appreciate it while I was there. I do appreciate it now. But the toilet also it. sounds like... A circular terminal also sounds like a euphemism for a toilet, but anyway, that, proceed. Yeah, there you go. So um, anyway, I just thought that that was um, that that was a little bit weird. But uh, you, when you say a quick trip to San Francisco, if there is such a thing, there is such a thing because you made one. And I think more um, to the point is nobody should do what you did, which is you worked on Sunday and then went from work to the airport and on Sunday night flew to Dallas and then to San Francisco and then on Monday night, flew from San Francisco to Charlotte and Charlotte to Hartford. Yes. This is not something uh, that you would have been burned as a witch for in the as recently as 
1925 because the human beings weren't able to or certainly thought to be meant to be able to do that it's, it's it, it it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't ideal i uh yeah i was in studio left studio a little bit early so that i could um could get to the airport and catch my flight and one of my favorite parts is i get get on the plane in hartford sitting there waiting to take off or maybe we're pulling away from the gate or maybe we're up in the air it's all a fog to me now but it's about a four-hour flight from hartford to dallas and uh the pilot came on and said the flight will be mostly smooth we just have a bit of choppy air for the next hour and a half the flight will so be mostly smooth, except be, for the next hour and a half. If, so yeah, sure, two and a half hours are going to be fine. <laughs> but an hour and a half of choppy is a lot of choppy. He could have said that, this, that two and a half hours of the four-hour flight will not be hellish. Right, right. And they wait and tell you that, you know, when you're kind of already in the plane pulling away. So if you hate choppiness, you're not going to get off. But uh, but anyway, I had that unenviable thing happen where the, when I landed after midnight local time, so 3 a.m. body time in San Francisco on, I guess it was Monday morning, immediately when I turned my phone on, immediately an alert came up that I could check in for my flight later that day to return me back to the East Coast. So I was in San Francisco for uh, for 10 hours. <laughs> Didn't you also get an alert or an email or something upon landing that Stanford's uh, morning shoot-around had been moved from 1 in the oh. afternoon to 7.45 yes. in the morning? Yes, that was the other delightful part. When I landed, I, I saw that I had an email that the shoot-arounds were supposed to be like Oregon was going to go at 10.30 and then Stanford at 1 o'clock. And, uh, and I was like, okay, great. I'll get into the hotel by 1 a.m. I'll be able to get a decent night's sleep. And then, yeah, I land. I have an email from the sports information director for Stanford saying, uh, because of classes and the kids not wanting to miss classes, the shooter has been moved to 7:45 a.m. <laughs> it was just like this knife in my heart because I already knew, ooh, I'm not going to get to the hotel till 1 a.m. and now I'll be getting up at six something to get to the shoot round. But I'll say this: it, it was every completely worth the trip. It was a phenomenal game. Um, went to the shoot around, Stanford shoot arounds. You learn a lot. Tara Vanderveer um, was is terrific with us. And then after the Stanford shoot-around, an hour later, Oregon comes on to do their shoot-around. And Sabrina Ionescu is not with them and because she's in L.A. and, and she's um, one of the speakers at the Kobe Bryant Memorial. And so her team's going through practice, uh, the shoot-around. This is the first time she's ever missed a shoot-around. We're talking to their coach, Kelly Graves, who's one of the absolute best coaches to, to deal with as a TV person. And um, and he tells us, you know, she's supposed to go on at 10.50. Well, they're going through their shoot-around. 11 o'clock rolls around, and, and we've got somebody has their computer up, and they're streaming the memorial. She hasn't gone on yet. I think Dar- Diana Taurasi is just about to go on. It's like 11.15. The memorial's clearly already running about a half hour late. And then Oregon wraps up their practice, and uh, and LaChina Robinson, who was our sideline reporter for, for this game, had her laptop open. And we looked at Coach Graves and said, um, Sabrina's coming on now. And he, he just yelled to all the girls on the team, she's going to speak now. You can go to any of the computers around the court. So half the team came over and were looking at LaChina's computer. Half the team w- was over on the other side looking at somebody from Oregon's computer. And on our side, um, there was somebody else there who had a computer. 
And just watching all of her teammates just hovered around the computer as she gave a really remarkable and poised speech for a kid her age, it was wonderful. Not only the message, but how she handled herself. I was super impressed. But it was just a really interesting moment as you watch all of her teammates who clearly love her huddled around these computers listening to her speak. And um, and it was interesting, too, because the two computers that were over on the side of the court where I was, one of them was a second behind the other. So you could hear what she was saying. And then a second later, you were hearing it again. Um, and, and then, then hours later... She was there in person. Yeah, and, and then and then it and then it finished. And Coach Graves was funny because right after Sabrina spoke, Coach Orama spoke, and uh, you know once they announced that he was going to speak, Coach Graves just laughed and he said, "I'm not going to listen to Gino." And he like walked off with his team because it was time for them to go. And yeah, she, hours later, she had flown uh, after the after the memorial. She flew up um, with Coach Graves' wife actually to Oregon. She met. Uh, I'm sorry, to San Francisco. She met the team at the arena. They were all coming out during warm-ups, you know, like an hour before the game. She never came out, and the coaches told us later that she was sick. She had the flu or whatever. She was back in the locker room vomiting while the rest of her team is warming up. And then she comes out and has a triple-double and uh, gets nine rebounds, um, more than nine rebounds, but the ninth rebound was the one that gave her a thousand for her career. So she's the first player ever in college basketball, male or female to have 2000 points, a thousand assists and a thousand rebounds. And um, it was just really cool for me and Adam and LaChina to be part of this moment because it was, um, it was a really moving day, especially for the Oregon players. And uh, the, the building was sold out. The environment was great. Unlike you, I don't, you know, you have boxes full of like press passes I, I don't generally keep my press passes unless, you know, I've kept the one from the Final Four where Rika Yagumbawale hit a couple game winners because that was the best Final Four I've ever part, uh, covered. And then um, I kept this one because this is never going to happen again. It's never going to happen on the men's side because you'll never have a – if a, a guy is that good, he's not going to stay four years. He's not going to be able to get 2K, 1K, 1K. I can't imagine how it ever happens on the women's side because there aren't any – other players like Sabrina who are guards and assist like she does, but can also rebound. So it's just cool to be in a moment that you knew at the time was a historic moment. And, um, and especially with everything we watched unfold earlier in the day, it was a neat day. Anytime you're broadcasting a game or in my case, um, covering a sporting event, you have this, what we, what you've just described of the, of the sort of drudgery of travel and getting there and, you're in a circular terminal at DFW and you're looking for the, the toilets and whatever. And that consumes most of the time leading up to um, these events. And then and then suddenly, usually when you're jet lagged and, and overtired, in my case, in December, I, I wrote a story that's in the current issue of Sports Illustrated on Christian Polisic of Chelsea, uh, taking a car to Boston Logan, flying overseas, um, getting there in the morning, getting through the airport, getting to the hotel, not being able to check in, dropping your bags, all that stuff. And at the point of your greatest exhaustion when you've been up for about 24 hours, suddenly, in my case, I'm in a um, European Champions League Tuesday night, crazy, drunken, raucous, under the lights, in sheets of rain, uh, soccer match in, in London at Chelsea. And it's almost like you're in a dream state because you're overly tired, but you're also in this environment that's completely different to everything that 
led up to it. And I guess that's what travel is, makes travel great also, is you, you go through all of this sort of the GI tract of the of the airports and all that, and then you're finally at this cool destination if, if you're traveling for pleasure anyway. And, and I think that's where you and I are, are super fortunate in that, um, you know, I went through this travel to get to a historic basketball game and a basketball game that I knew was going to be really well played and involved two of the best teams in the country. It was going to be in a great environment. You know, so many people covering women's college basketball or men's college basketball or any sport are going through all this travel to cover a game that they know is not going to be good, that they know is not going to be played by the best, you know, any of the top teams in the country. But, you know, it's part of what you do in your work. And, and I'm just really, really lucky in the games that I get to call that, you know, even if the travel is really difficult, you always know that it's going to be worth it in terms of the game you're going to get to see. And, uh, and this one certainly was. Well, we uh, have been promising for the last couple of weeks. We haven't gotten to viewer mail or we haven't done more than one or two viewer mails. And the viewer mail has been piling up. So I've been promising a, a viewer mail intensive podcast to catch up to rip so through the mailbag. We, we read all the viewer mail. You can put it into the circular terminal. I can put it into the circular terminal. Exactly. Um, though I'm looking forward to reading it now. It's piled up for a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll probably have to buzz through it quick hits, but it will, it, there's a lot of it. So I think we should, I, I feel like the, I am the, the ball and chain, a postmaster general, yes. as you know. And before people get upset with us, these aren't being printed out and then recycled. We're not. These are being read from the computer, so no. For the first Wait, time. They're not wasteful. For the first time. And uh, I'm thinking right now, why are postmasters, there, there are a few occupations that, that get the general suffix, postmaster general, attorney general, surgeon general. General Motors? Or is that no, that's not, not a suffix. Line? That's not a, that's not a <laughs> Did you think General Motors was perhaps a World War II um, the leader of the Pacific Theater or something? I don't know. Aren't there, isn't there a cartoon character that's a general something? Come to the general and save on <laughs> tires or whatever? I don't know. Well, anyway, I, I'm applying to be the sports writer general. Okay? Okay. All right. Um, so, shall we? Big bad hook, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Dear Steve and Matron, Writes Deb with two B's. I think she's having us on. I think it's actually Deb with one B. But she signs her name Deb with two B's. Dear Steve, Steve with two E's and Matron, in getting caught up in your older episodes, in pod number 34, Rebecca mentioned Why Not North Dakota, along with its slogan, Why Not My Not, which really surprised me. How did Rebecca know the slogan? Has she been to My Not? I'm from My Not. It's also known as Magic City, and the high school mascot is a magician picture attached and sure enough a picture is attached um you've been to my not with your mom right yes my mother and i spoke in my not but i think you're the one who brought up the slogan aren't you i don't know i didn't even know that was the slogan but but it's so obvious that it would have to be the slogan it is but why not my not is followed immediately by an email whose header is geez it's just cheese it's i repeat <laughs> geez it's just cheese it's okay gotcha this comes from Andrew. As I listened to your discussion about monies, foodstuffs, and other plural forms of the singular, I was reminded of a Twitter exchange. Periodically, someone will post one of these, a stand must be made, this is mine, tweets, usually taken way too seriously, inviting other equally way too serious responses. To lighten things, I posted a tweet in the same style about Cheez-Its being the best cracker. Someone missed the point and decided to correct my grammar, saying, it's Cheez-It, not the plural, Cheez-Its. I didn't respond at the time, but feel that my usage is correct. After all, you wouldn't say Thomas ate a handful of Oreo. 
The singular is correct only if one is saying the full name, but if you're using the colloquial, it should be Cheez-Its. Do I have that correct? Andy. Of course you have it correct. Who? No one eats a bunch of Cheez-It. It's not Cheez-Whiz, in which case you wouldn't say Cheez-Whizzes. Right. It's Cheez-It. Is that a collective? Cheez-Its. Uh, if you're eating one, it's a Cheez-It. If you're eating more than one, it's Cheez-Its. But I do like the header, Jeez, it's Cheez-Its. And I think that's the main reason for that, that viewer mail. Joan writes, uh, I'm proud to say that I might be your oldest podcast fan. And since I'm old school, I'm listening to your podcast, Ball and Chain, in numerical order. I listen to only one episode every night before bed. The other night I heard an episode from October 2019 about enjoying board games with your children. You're expressing nostalgia about having a metal Parcheesi game when you were young. I'm trying to downsize and would love to donate my metal Parcheesi game to you and your family. Well, we should, we should let Joan know how to do that. I love that idea. Were you talking about Metal Parcheesi or was I talking about Metal Parcheesi? I think what do you think? It must have been you. No, it was you. Well, I was talking about friends' basements who had different board games than we had. And we never had Parcheesi. We had Metal Chinese Checkers, but I don't want to repeat myself. Dr. Siegel. But it's still, why not repeat yourself? Because it's the first time you're listening. <laughs> you don't even remember who said what. That's the first time I'm listening, but it's not the first time they're listening. Right, that's true. <laughs> It's not It's not even the first time I'm listening because I'm still really not listening. Can I just interject something that has nothing to do with your Interject all, all you like. Of okay. course. So remember last week when I went to the grocery store and someone said, Rebecca, you're still around? I do. Okay. I mean, I remember you so telling me that. I was at the grocery store this morning and I was leaving and a woman said, excuse me, Rebecca, do you have a second? And I said, yeah. And she said, do you still live in town? Yeah. And I said, uh, yes. And she said, oh, because I had heard you left. So it was an opposite thing. It wasn't uh, you're still around. It's, it was not, more of a yeah. you're still around. Right. And then, um, and then I drove home from the grocery store with a trunk full of groceries. So let's just, I'd, gone, I'd landed from the airport. I'd not been home yet. Went to the grocery store, got groceries, came home, went to back the car into the garage. And you had pulled into my garage bay. And on the, even though we have more than one garage bay, our minivan only can fit in one of them. Only one of them is long enough. Why were you in my garage bay? I'll tell you why. Because the, the minivan fits in the big garage bay, and my car fits in the smaller one. Right. And I was driving the minivan the last two days because you were out of town and you had my car at the airport. Right. So when we both met at the orthodontist to have our daughter's and we braces cars. taken off, we switched cars. Right. And when I drove home, but out of... Muscle memory, I I pulled my car into your bay, and you never even you didn't even realize it, did you? Of course not. Because like I've put the I've been in like say I'm driving your car and I've put up the wrong garage door just because I'm used to always going into the 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 one bay. For, but then I immediately recognize, oh no, that's not where I pull in in this car. So anyway, I had to put the car half into the other garage bay and bring in the groceries. But um, I was just curious. And what you were angry thinking? about it because when you came in with the uh, groceries, you were angry. I, I could tell. I was. You don't hide it well. Um, Jennifer writes, good day, Rebecca and Steve. Well, first of all, Dr. Gary Siegel uh, shows us a, a, a picture of a prescription. I don't know if it's one he's written or one he is requires. Fortunately, okay. it only shows the date on the, on the prescription. And he says palindrome. The date is 02-20-2020. 
and that was a great palindromic day. Mm. Good day, Rebecca and Steve, writes Jennifer. Jen, with two N's. A couple weeks ago, you had revisited basketball whistles and tried to come up with a meaning for the compound word whistle issues. Put the words together, and I keep hearing tissues. Here's my definition. A whistle issue is when you want to hand a tissue to the person next to you whose nose is whistling while you're both in yoga class. But because our bodies make all sorts of silly, embarrassing noises during yoga, you have to make it part of your practice to ignore those sounds. Uh, Thank you for the sparkling content and conversation. It's always worth sharing with my kids' sports-weary friends. Happy trails. Jen, with two N's, Barbarito, parentheses, don't call me Vinny. <laughs> um, Do you suppose people still call her Vinny Barbarito? I would certainly hope so. People of our age, I'm sure. I mean, that's... that's. I've uh, never done I yoga. I could only call her that. But it, of course, I'm sure as you're twisting and turning and moving around, there are probably lots of sounds that are coming from people's bodies. But uh, I guess See. yoga etiquette is to ignore them all. You're fixated on yoga sounds. I'm fixated on Vinny Barbarito. I know, Exactly. Kristen writes, we know Kristen. Hello, Steve and Rebecca. I discovered your podcast a few months ago, so I listen to new episodes as they're released, but I'm also listening to the old ones in order. I love it. I'm also reading Knights in White Castle. Thank you, Kristen, and enjoy it very much. The fact, This fact comes into play in item number two. I have two items. One, in the viewer mail portion of episode 110, Steve said that listener Carrie Ann inherited a yardstick from her grandmother, quote, when she downsized. Does this mean that her grandmother replaced the yardstick <laughs> with, with a, a ruler? ruler? Yes, you're oh, way ahead of her. That's a good question. A very good question. Uh, in ep two, in episode two, in episode one hundred and nine, you two have a lengthy discussion about the word foodstuffs, and Steve is rather a prickly about Rebecca's use of that term. Steve's I was. rather what? Prickly. <laughs> Careful. So, as I was reading Steve's book today, after listening to that podcast, I was quite surprised and rather giddy to come across this. And there's a photograph here, and she has circled uh, this word in this sentence: the harsh lighting, the limited foodstuffs. The bouquet of odors, it's like eating inside a bachelor's fridge. I don't know what I'm referring to on page 162 of Knights in White Castle. That's something you wrote. Something I wrote and is published in Knights in White Castle. So I, I... You gave me a hard time. No memory of writing that. It's possible. food stuff It's possible. you have it written in your it's own It's possible, book. though extremely unlikely, that that was edited in without my knowledge. But yes, that's uh, one more I example mean, of my, how uh, of you my unbelievable hypocrisy. How you is that? Give me a hard time for a word I use, <laughs> and it's one you've already put in, in a book? It's, it's just unbelievably me. It's just, it's unbelievable. You are prickly. <laughs> uh, Kristen signs off. Maybe I'll see you at Munson's sometime soon. I, in fact, saw Kristen at Munson's when I was getting you dark chocolate chunks for Valentine's Day, but it was so busy with frantic people buying Valentine's chocolates that I wasn't able to say hello. Or, I'll um, say hello are now. there any of those chocolates left since I've been, I was gone Very for few. two days? Remember, I got you two pounds of chocolate, so when you I eat a pound me, of it. I've probably eaten a six, an ounce. No, I've probably eaten, what would be one sixteenth of a pound? I, I, That'd be an ounce. Me. I have no that's idea. That's probably what I've had. And there's, it's almost gone. Well, oh, that's okay. I'll share. Uh, Rachel writes, good morning, Rebecca and Steve. It's been a, bit since I last emailed, but I've collected a few thoughts and musings over the past few months. Let's hear them. One, this is, they're enumerated like Kristen's. I like okay. this. One, you'll find my latest ball and chain crossword puzzle attached along with the answer key. Enjoy. We have a new we one? Have, we'll have to look at that, Yay! post it, Volume enjoy two. it, and discuss it in, yes. a, in a future episode. Two, so my that's, but, but it's attached, so I can put it on our um, on our Instagram, which is at ball and chain podcast. Yes, excellent. Two, my husband and I took a bucket list trip to Paris and Rome and took a few pictures with the logo. I remembered the coaster when we went to St. Peter's Basilica, but forgot it when we went to the Louvre. A Google search image had to suffice for winged victory and um, uh, pictures from uh, Rome and Paris with the ball and chain logo. Well, I was surprised when I was in Palo Alto for the the, the basketball game last night. Gosh, that was last night. Um, 
three or four separate people came up to me and said something about ball and chain. One woman was walking by the announce table and she said, ball and chain. And so I reached in my bag and I handed her this, it's a small round sticker we have with the ball and chain logo on it. And it's hilarious because she's like, oh, I'll, I'll wear it. And I was thinking it's like an I, much, I voted. It's exactly the same size and shape as an I voted um, sticker. And I said, oh, I said, you don't have to wear it. I'm just giving it to you. And then at halftime, I was using the restroom and a different person said that they were a ball and chain listener. And then after the game, a third person said that they were a ball wow. and chain listener all at the Stanford game. That um, that made me happy. All three looked similar, but one had like a stick on mustache and one had uh, <laughs> yes. was wearing a, a wig. Okay. Um we could give out ball and chain stickers that say, instead of saying, I voted, I be devoted. There you go. Or not. Oh, no. And, and, and um, uh, Rachel cites a bucket list trip. Um, this morning, our nine-year-old said, um, I'm putting something else on my bucket list, Sour Patch Kids cereal. <laughs> she wants that on her bucket list? That's, that's I think, well, the only she, item on her bucket list. Wasn't she fixated with the fact that today is Fat Tuesday? And she was, she, yes, and yes. she was eager to uh, explore that. Um, three, uh, yardsticks. My parents have a yardstick that was an in-store giveaway at our local furniture store. I think all yardsticks were in-store giveaways, were they not? I don't know exactly how long they've had it. Oh, I thought you said I don't know exactly how, how long, long it is. is. Yeah. But the corners are so worn that it's no longer a yardstick, probably more like a 35-inch stick. Four, Kobe, as all of the pictures and stories about the helicopter crash kept being posted and released, I couldn't help but notice Steve's puffer coat behind Kobe and Gianna when they were at UConn for senior night last year. What a wonderful memory for your kids to look back on, their interactions with one of the greatest of all time. Thank you for your words and stories you shared in last week's podcast. And she attached a picture of Kobe and Gianna at that game. And my uh, bright green, um, unmissable, ridiculous green uh, puffer coat is indeed there. Finally, five, UConn versus USA Basketball. What an amazing opportunity to watch them play each other. I know that Steve mentioned he was there. Did all of your kids attend the game? They did indeed. Thanks for an entertaining podcast. Maybe we keep, keep keep on keeping on. Rachel, the resident crossword composer, I'm going to mark this as unread so we can post that um, the crossword puzzle yeah. later and have a good look at it. Okay, Michelle writes DWSWD or WWRD. That's the header. Steve, hello. My family book group finished Stingray Afternoons right after Christmas. I all really enjoyed the book. My sister-in-law and her family listened to it on their drive from San Diego to Utah for their ski trip. My brother and their kids who are in their early 20s liked it too. Thank you, Michelle. But now to the subject line. Last Thursday, writes Michelle, I was on an MTA Metro North train from Terrytown to Grand Central Station for a training for training in the city. I'm not sure if you have been on one of those trains. I have. But whoever designed the seating wasn't thinking about tall people. The seats face each other with what seems like less than six inches between them. The worst. The seats that face each other when you're not with your family. This is me talking now. Just terrible. Ridiculous. Especially when they're the plastic hard ones with the bump in the middle. Also, the armrests don't really allow many adults to share adjoining seats. So I got on and decided I would stand for the trip. A wise choice. At that point, feeling my back was sore from a soft hotel bed, I decided to take a leave. Not take a leave of absence. To take a leave. Do you know what I'm saying? A L E V E. She's mm. going to take a leave. Oh, an, a the, medicine. The medication, ibuprofen. whatever. Ibuprofen. A leave. I was going to take a leave, so I took or is two that out. A c- acetaminophen. I don't know. It I took two matter. out and went to put them in my mouth, and oops, dropped one. I saw it on the ground where I was standing. This was by one of the train car entrances, so you can imagine the dirt, salt, etc. Oh it's no. The etc. That really gets you. Oh no. That was on the ground. Immediately, I thought, let's do what Steve would do and just pop it out of my mouth. That's exactly. That's exactly no. right. Don't think. Ugh. Well, during this process, my mind changed thoughts to what would Rebecca do? Good girl. What a dilemma. In the end, I took out a new pill and put the dirty one in my pocket. I would like to claim it was because of the germs and dirt, but mainly it was because there were a couple of people seated right by me and was more concerned about what they would think. But I think this could be a mantra for future decisions for ball and chain listeners. DWSWD or WWR. 
RD. Do what Steve would do or what would Rebecca do? Your dog mom slash volleyball rules person, Michelle. Well, she clearly made the right decision, especially... Well, except that only, she's, she's going to eat the, the, the dirty leave later. The only decision that would be made is if you didn't have more. Like if you really needed to take the leave or any medication and they were there, your last two and you dropped one, then you have a decision to make. Do you take it to, to alleviate, alleviate the pain or do you not? But here, when you have more, of course, you just trash the one that you dropped. Well done. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Siegel checks in on Holly Rowe, Kobe, and Gigi, Pancakes, and Alexa. I'll get to a couple of his bullet points. Um, Can I following... interject again You first? may interject. You, you... You, it's not an interjection. It's a conversation. But so... it's not because you're in the middle of talking. But just bringing up Holly Rowe, I can't believe I buried this lead. I have to read to you a text that Holly Rowe sent to me last night when I was back at the airport. Now, Holly was not with us calling the game because she was calling number one Kansas um, against somebody else. But uh, Holly sent me a text and it just says, because on our podcast, you and I have talked not only plenty about Holly, but plenty about jumpsuits and jumpers. Holly's text says, I am not making this up. My brand new jumpsuit zipper is stuck. I have asked two people to undo me and they can't debating. So I need to go to front the front desk and have them cut me out. I need you. <laughs> two people. This, Were they like, like the, she must've just asked room she, service and uh, two people. I'm sure two strangers on the elevator. If they could help get her zipper down, they could not. So she was going to be going to the front desk. They could to not get or, scissors or to would go, not. <laughs> to cut I suppose her they declined. And last night, actually, she posted on her Insta story. She was just saying this. She said, you know, I am here in my hotel room. I can't get out of my jumpsuit. I'm going to have to go to the front desk and ask them to cut me out. I have to think under almost any circumstances, but certainly under the circumstances of a stranger on an elevator in the Me Too era asking me to, right. I'd, I'd have to uh, decline. Yeah. Well, it's, um. I just, I, I, I haven't found out. The resolution, I'm going to have to ask her if she was ever able to fix it or if she had to have the people at the front desk cut her out. But either way, it's a just a perfect visual. Well, Dr. Wrote. Siegel has been following Holly on Instagram for a while. Does anyone at ESPN work harder than her? He he writes, no, dis- no disrespect intended, Rebecca. Is anyone more loved? When will y'all resume Holly Rowe minutes? That's Dr. Siegel. Rebecca? Um, no, no one is harder worker. No, no one is a harder worker. No one is more beloved. And um, maybe I'll bring... Uh, at the final four this year is in New Orleans. I'll be there for a number of days. Maybe I can uh, bring a recording mechanism and we'll get some more Holly Rowe minutes um, as long as she's been able to get out of her jumpsuit. <laughs> uh, Mark Regal attaches a story from The New Yorker that I actually read about uh, how to take your pet everywhere, about the um, the author takes an alpaca to the drugstore. There's a lot of confusion about what emotional support animals can legally do. So um, taking an alpaca, an alpaca to the drugstore, perfectly fine. I think there's been a, a fairly viral uh, photo of a service pony yes. on an airplane, um, but uh, apparently those days are coming possibly to a close in the friendly skies. Um, Martha, hello, Rebecca and Steve. I've been meaning to send a link to the origin story for the Brady Bunch since the subject was discussed in a Ball and Chain episode many moons ago. I don't remember which episode it was nor what prompted the reference to the Brady Bunch, but I'm fairly certain that there was a comment regarding the fact that we've never learned how Mike and Carol came to be single parents. Here is the answer to that question. It's another New Yorker story um, about... um, Here's the story of the the lovely lady and how the Bradys got together. Um, I'm not going to read it now. 
but I will be but reading it later. But it's something that we can share the link we, to? Uh, absolutely. All right, then that's so, what we'll do. We'll well, po- I'll post that one on Twitter. If, if, you don't, if you don't share the link, it's a New Yorker story called Here's the Story, and I'm eager to read it. So how Michael and Carol got together, presumably. A lot of enumerated emails this week. Another one? Robert writes three things. B and C or Steve, thanks for the signed books. Um, you're welcome. Um, Rebecca, Maybe as your you res- should remind people if they want to get a signed book, what they need to do. They just need to uh, send me uh, a name and address. Send an email to at ball and Oh, chain I'm sorry. Pod. Send an email to ball and chain. Or say ball and chain pod at gmail.com. Right. And we'll handle the rest. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, as your resident, uh, who is a firefighter? Please make sure you follow the manufacturer's recommendations for power and placement. Uh, keep flammable materials away. What What is he referring to? My book? No. What's uh, the header? Uh, the header is three things. This link will take you to some other amusing inflatable Santas. Oh, I, I think he's talking about Santa pantalones. If oh. we were to buy ourselves a plug-in inflatable pants-dropping Santa. That we need to have a fire extinguisher nearby? or uh, Evidently. Okay. Anyway, uh, Bob... Uh, thanks us for the entertainment on long basketball parent drives. JP checking in. We know JP. Hey, JP. JP writes, slow slow news month on the organ ducts front. O-R-G-A-N-D-U-C-T-S. I thought he was referring to the organ ducts. Maybe he is. Organ ducts. Oh, organ ducts. Right. He plays the organ and they have ducts. Keep No, 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 no. Although there is promising work on the sphincter of Adi and pancreas tumors. No film at 11. Did we discuss this in a uh, previous podcast? Organ ducts. Organ ducts. Sphincters. Well, there's an there's an asterisk. Uh, this is not the rumored next Indiana jo- <laughs> Indiana Jones film subtitle. Anyway, I may have an idea for a new service to provide after hearing your clothing store waiting around stories. The husband chair or a guy chair is a cherished resource in many stores, mostly women's stores, though the implementation is rather slapdash. In some cases, it's sadly not much more than a folding chair, as Steve discovered. So we, we were talking about my sitting in the folding chair right. at American Eagle. Eagle yeah, Outfitters, right? yes. Not a, not, a, not a regional airline, but a, a jean store, as I, as I discovered. This got me thinking. Australia, being very sparsely populated with long driving distances, created a national GPS bathroom map to aid travelers. Would have helped you at DFW, Rebecca. Yes. I envision a national husband chair map with GPS integration, rating clothing stores for number, quality, upholstery, check-ins to judge wait times and availability. Might this be, as Click and Clack used to say, a million-dollar idea? I think it is, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great idea. It could even be like the tired husband chair or something like that. And if the... like the one when I was at Old Navy that day and the dad felt like a creep because he was right near the yeah. co-ed changing room, you know, that would be rated a little lower. You'd want one that, you know, didn't make you feel quite as creepy. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a great idea. A national husband chair map with perhaps a national husband chair registry. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. So do I. Let's get on that. Thank you, JP. Um Anne also has yardstick stories. Um, my husband and I are Connecticut-born and Yukon grads who somehow have now lived for more than 40 years in New Jersey. Uh, when Rebecca came to Yukon, my husband remembered playing high school ball with her uncle back in New Britain. Ah. We were thrilled when we got to see her play in the NCAA tournament at Rutgers, even though it was a loss, and have loved following her since then. The NCAA championship, the Olympics, the WNBA, and the growing into an outstanding announcer. Do you remember losing at Rutgers in I front do. of uh, Anne? I had a near triple-double in that game. Um I was wearing a mask because I'd broken my nose. And when I say I had a near triple-double, um, we lost to North Carolina, and I had nine turnovers. Nine? Nine. You didn't How want to does go for any the... person have nine turnovers in a game? 
I don't know. You couldn't have made one more for a triple-double? What's that? You couldn't have made one more to <laughs> get the triple-double? I know. I'll have to find that uh, video at some point and watch it. Like, how does it, how does, how did Coach Oriama leave me in long enough to get a ninth turnover? <laughs> anyway. Okay. We discovered Steve through SI when I was dating my husband. He shared a house with two other men. The only reading material was at, with, <laughs> the only reading material was SI. <laughs> And I fell in love with the wonderful writing of that magazine. Steve joined SI after we were married. And by then, my husband had his own subscription. We fought over who would get to read it first and always opened it to Steve's column first thing. Thank you, Anne. I love the fact that uh, this house with three guys, the only reading material was SI. That's enough. I mean, I'm not surprised. Okay. As much as I enjoyed you each individually, I delight in you as a couple and a family. Thanks for sharing that through the podcast. Our pleasure regarding a recent podcast. Yes, you can buy yardsticks. Attached is a picture from our local big box store with a barrel full of yardsticks. And here it is is indeed. Are they still wooden or are they plastic now? They're wooden. Oh, they have to be wooden. They're wooden. Good. In fact, I've seen one at our local hardware store, a similar barrel full of yardsticks. I didn't know if they were for sale or or giveaways. and And I was too chicken to ask if they were free. That's that's not how you go about it. You but I wanted to buy one so that you could whack me with it whenever I get out of line. I mean, all you'd have to do is say, how much are these? And then if they say they're free, you're like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Instead of saying, are these free? You just say, how much are these? And then it takes away all the embarrassment. You're absolutely right. Well, Anne says, Rebecca, if you're ever down announcing at the rack, let me know. White Castle is only a couple of miles away from there, and I would happily deliver a sack of sliders for you and your crew. Looking forward to the next podcast. And thank you, Anne. Christina um, has uh, an email to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Headline, Stop and Shop Birthdays. Remind me what Stop and Shop birth what Stop and Shop does on birthdays. Oh, jeepers creepers. Oh. So should I give <laughs> well, you 10 I'm seconds I'm really just to saying remind, remind, remind our from, listeners. This is from like three podcasts well, Listeners ago, might so not, not remember necessarily. Can you remember? No. This oh, is they about, were celebrating the robot's birthday. Yes, yes Marty's birthday. Yes, yes. First birthday. You okay. got there. Ah, this is my first time writing the ball and chain, and my and any podcast for that matter, writes Christina. However, you have heard from my wife Mary Beth and honored our musically inclined kitties, Melody and Mahler. I finally have a fun story of my own to share in relation to a discussion on episode one hundred and eight, wordplay and birdplay. Now, that's a sentence that would that would that would not even that would require Google Translate for anybody who hasn't anybody like me who hasn't listened to the podcast, <laughs> but it makes perfect sense to people who have listened, right? Right. Melody and Mahler, wordplay and birdplay. Mary Beth and Christina. Okay. Rebecca recounted the conversation with the cashier at Stop and Shop about the birthday celebration for Marty the robot and the lack of any type of celebration for human employees. Now it's jarring my memory. Last week, this was only a few days after we listened to the episode, I was in my local Stop and Shop here in New York and wondered for a second if someone working there had also listened to your podcast. For on this particular day, an announcement came over the PA alerting customers to the fact that it was Marissa's birthday. They invited us all to stop by the customer service desk on our way out to wish Marissa, the happiest of birthdays. This was followed just a few minutes later by another employee attempting and failing miserably to sing happy birthday to Marissa over the loudspeaker. The first announcement had me laughing and smiling like a dope in the middle of the supermarket as I recalled your, as I recalled your discussion about this exact topic. The second announcement left me rolling my eyes but still amused. Just thought you'd like to know that at least one human employee's birthday was recognized at a stop and shop. Thank you both for the podcast. It's the only one which we can always agree. All the best, Christina. So there you have it, Rebecca. I like that. I've never been in stop and shop when they've celebrated a human being's birthday, but that that makes me uh, have hope that I will be. We have picked up many a birthday cake for a human being at stop and shops we have, bakery. Yes. Gotten it at the last second and then had them squirt on the uh, squirt on the best wishes. Cursive, yes, yes, exactly. 
Dear Restiva, writes Kurt, as I listened to the latest episode, Nap Maps and Jerk Moves, I was troubled to hear very faintly an assortment of bloops, bleeps, and blurps under the sparkling conversation. I think one just happened just now. Your stomach? No, no, uh, a notification on my laptop. Oh. Which, again, could be could be a sound coming from my stomach, a right. notification from my laptop. At first, I was concerned that the bearings in your HVAC system were bad due to the lengthy absence of Mike Golick in your basement. That's probably also true. Then I remember the importance of magnetic tape in Steve's early life and realized that you were probably recording the podcast on an old reel-to-reel tape machine. Though I'm sure the Mickey Mouse mining tape was still pristine, I imagine the recorder might need some maintenance. Hats off on the Retro Tech special episode, Kurt, our holistic cable massage and photon wrangling uh, consultant. Yes, that's what it was. It was a retro episode. (laughs) We do have a lot of blurps and bloops and bleeps coming from our various devices. Well, especially it's chilly, and sometimes you wear coats that are noise-making coats, and um, so when you move your arms, there's some other kind of sounds behind it all, too. So anyway. Ralph writes, Hi, Restiva. I once dined at the revolving restaurant at the downtown Stamford, Connecticut Marriott. I passed that Marriott many times on the train. Hmm. And that's where they have the annual uh, um, crossword puzzle or no, uh, Scrabble uh, tournament. I've been to more expensive and elegant restaurants in my time, but it was a perfectly good place to eat. Their website was unclear as to whether it is still open. I barely noticed the rotation. I think when you're when you're dining, the less spinning you notice. Right, because it's going so slowly. Yeah. Uh, Ralph also adds, Amy Lawrence is one of the best pay-by-pay announcers I've ever heard. Uh, he is watching Dartmouth and Columbia on SNY right now. You're a former. Yeah, Amy Lawrence uh, and I, when I, broadcast when, partner. when I first came back into broadcasting when our oldest daughter was an infant, I did the Big East game of the week. Amy Lawrence was the play-by-play. I think that might have been one of her first play-by-play gigs. And, uh, you know, she and I had a great time together calling those games. Well, David, uh, I should in one of these uh, previous emails, Dr. Siegel complimented, didn't really compliment me. He dissed me on my uh, pancake-making abilities, saying that anybody can make pancakes. Rebecca's right. Yes. And did I watch a YouTube video on how to make them? No, I, I, I sort of figured it out on my own. But David writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I'm a longtime listener, first-time emailer. I'd like to submit my application to be the resident pancake expert of the podcast. No, I'm not and never was a short-order cook, but my qualifications are as follows. Until I reached the age of dietary responsibility— I made and ate pancakes three to four times a week since I was in high school. So what's the age of dietary responsibility? I, I don't know. If there's a, is that a legal designation? I think so, yeah. Or is that more of a... So so I can say with confidence that I've made over 20,000 pancakes in my life. He is the Wilt Chamberlain of Holy pancake smokes, making. That's a lot of pancakes. This includes making over 490 minutes for a charity breakfast. As further proof of my skills, I've attached a photo of me making pancakes with one arm from start to finish while holding my infant son so wife slash mommy could have a brief moment of peace. And he is indeed holding his infant and in he's wearing an Ohio State hoodie and he's holding his infant at least an arm's length from the uh, from the Skittle the, the spattering batter yeah well yeah he I mean he's the first one to ask and I can't imagine anyone else will he absolutely can be our resident pancake make, maker pancake flipper what does he want to be pancake well, I don't know, but he has a he has a three-pronged uh, approach <laughs> approach that he wants me to memorize. Okay. One, pour the liquids, milk, eggs, etc., on top of the dry ingredients. Two, do not overmix. Specifically stir for as only as long as it takes to count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, up to ten. In the exact cadence of Larry Hockett from Bull Durham. <laughs> That's, that I did not know. Three, Rebecca is absolutely right that you wait to flip until you see bubbles breaking the surface of the pancake. The rest is all details. Um, he's got the gig, man. Uh, hopefully... This is enough to qualify me after pancakes. I can offer a professional opinion on many other food-related matters from peppercorn ranch to bacon since I am, in fact, an analyst for a regional grocery store chain in Ohio. 
Makes me wonder, do they celebrate individual birthdays he's, at those I don't stores? Know, I wonder. He's overqualified for the position, so he, he can definitely absolutely is have overqualified. It. Anyway, he's he he, he uh, encloses a picture of a kitchen that looks uh, frighteningly like ours, I must say, and um, he's got the gig. Brian writes, "Dear Lobshins, so I commute daily by mass transit. Normally, nap on the ride home, setting an alarm for five minutes before my stop. For simplicity, I keep that set time on my phone. Now, since I don't always catch the same train." Bus home, I have multiple alarms set on my phone. Also, if I need an alarm, I set an alarm and never remove it because I just might need it again. Exactly, Brian. That's what I do. I never thought about this until your discussions the other day. I checked my phone. I have over 40 alarms set. You don't delete it because you might need to set it again? How hard is it to set a phone alarm? It's not like in the day when we were setting the, um, not even the digital clocks, but what were the clocks where you, they were like the ones that actually rang and they were circular and you had yeah, to reach behind the, the, the kind it. that The kind that had two bells on the top and, and in yeah. cartoons, they would jump and, yeah. and vibrate and on the, the nightstand of a cartoon character. You had the small, you know, the hands were smaller for the alarm than they right. were for the, anyway, exactly. those were a nuisance. And they glowed set. in the dark. The numbers glowed in the dark. So I could see why that, but on your phone alarm, well, you delete it, it takes 10 seconds Brian, to set a new one. Brian in River Edge, New Jersey says, uh, I did, uh, my, my original thought is that I might have a problem, but then I decided this is 20 and I will not be alarm shamed by Rebecca. Continue napping and keep potting. Well, I agree with you, Brian. Don't be alarm shamed by Rebecca. She tries to. I'm not alarm shaming anyone. I'm trying to make you a, a neater, better human being. Hi to you both, writes June. I know Rebecca says she only has two alarms. As for me, I see no need to delete, an alar- to delete an alarm when you can just add one when needed. Regarding age, it's hard to admit you aren't young anymore. I am almost 60. You mind at times, you might, your mind at times thinks one thing and your body says something else entirely. As for length of your podcast, I have yet to feel any are too long. Regards, June, June of, of multiple alarms. Rebecca is giving me a gift wrapping motion that suggests I should be wrapping it up now. You've got yeah, to get. Yeah, have to leave in a couple minutes. Have to, to leave get in a couple minutes. Yeah. We we have gotten considerable a considerable ways through our, our email backlog and and but have we a normal still have a ways now. to go. So we can uh, we can wrap that up on a future episode. Thanks for indulging this uh, bit of house cleaning from the postmaster general. You have anything else to add, Rebecca? I got nothing. Nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing. Well, you can tell Tom, Dick, and Harry to play us out then. Tom, Dick, and Harry. And thanks uh, to producer Denny Gallagher. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pad Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous While we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.